This is a message of hope and good news for you. And you are listening to Give Me the Bible with Uncle Len. The topic today is Once Saved, Always Saved. Is that true, Len? You're about to find out. Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to the program again. Thank you for tuning in. If this is the first time you've tuned into this program, what you're about to hear is a talk on a particular subject as part of a series called Give Me the Bible. In an ever-changing world, many people have found the Bible to be an anchor for their lives. They find that in those sacred pages there is stability, a foundation, common sense, answers to questions and hope. They have discovered that there is a God who passionately loves all human beings, including you and me. They also find answers to the questions about why the world is so messed up and the remedy for it. The Bible is unlike any other book, as it was inspired by God and is a message to human beings from him. Sometimes problems of understanding what the Bible means come about because people latch on to a certain passage and fail to take other passages on the same subject into consideration. The old saying, you can't see the wood for the trees, could apply to them. It is always wise to take into account as much information as possible before forming a conclusion. Look at the big picture. The Bible explains itself, provided you make an effort to look. The second thing which I find quite concerning is that some people seem to get stuck in a rut Because their parents, for example, held certain beliefs, the children go along with that despite new things they might learn. In other words, there is no progression, no advancement in their religious lives. They might even go so far to acknowledge something is right and that they should incorporate that truth into their lives but they do not do anything about it. The topic this week is Once Saved, Always Saved. The topic really is a question. The concept of Once Saved, Always Saved goes back to the 1500s in the time of the Reformation. The Reformation was a time of intense activity beginning mainly in the 1500s with Martin Luther and other preachers 
who abandoned who abandoned the teachings and ideology of the Roman Catholic Church and began to teach and preach from the Bible. The main theme which caught people's attention was that a person is made right with God not through penance and sacrifice, but by accepting that forgiveness of sin is a gift of God, that Jesus had provided the way to forgiveness. Protestantism was born at that time. It was a protest against the system of Roman Catholicism which demanded salvation by works. One of the reformers was a Frenchman named John Calvin. He was responsible for opening up the Bible to the people of France, and it would be fair to say that he did a lot of good. One of the things Calvin taught was that God personally chooses various individuals, and these people And only these people are saved. The other idea Calvin promoted was, since God did the choosing, those people who are saved, no matter, those people are saved, no matter what. They were saved forever and nothing could or would ever change that status of being. This teaching became known as Calvinism. Calvinism is still around in these times. The adherents to Calvinism, in my opinion, are among those who have latched onto something despite a lot of other evidence which discounts their particular beliefs. So, we need to see what the Bible has to say about the matter. Before doing that, I want to remind you of the two most significant teachings of Calvinism again. They are, number one, God and only God chooses who will be saved. Our own free will has no bearing on the situation. The second main belief, or the second main teaching, is that when someone is chosen to be saved, they can never become unsaved. The Calvinism doctrine hinges on four verses. Two are found in Romans 8, verses 29 and 30, and the other two in Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 5 and 11. I'm going to read them consecutively. This is what they say. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called, he also justified. Those he justified, he glorified. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. And the last verse was, In him 
we were chosen according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity to the purpose of his will. At first reading of these verses, it seems that God has his favourites and only they are to be saved. The rest of us, well, it looks like tough luck for you, mate. But I have some questions. If someone has this idea that God gives salvation only to his favourites, how do they know that they are the ones who God has chosen? The second question, does anyone have a choice in the matter? And the last question, and finally, if this is the situation, Could not God be accused of being unfair? I suspect Calvin was so convinced that he was right in his understanding of salvation being only for the people God handpicked that he overlooked significant other verses which give a clearer understanding of the passages just quoted. The hinge of this Calvinistic doctrine, the the hinge that this doctrine swings on, is the word predestined. Predestined means chosen in advance. But the question is, who was chosen? 2 Peter 2.9 tells us the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If God exclusively picks out only particular people, How can he be unwilling that any should perish? This verse written by the Apostle Peter is saying that God wants everybody to have salvation, not just a selected few. And then what about 1 Timothy 2, verses 4 to 6? God, our Saviour, who will have all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth? For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. All men, of course, means everybody. Everybody in the race of mankind. It doesn't sound like a hand-picked few, does it? And if Jesus gave himself as a ransom for all, does it mean all, that is, everybody, or just some? I think you can see these texts are giving us a wider picture of God's love to mankind. But that does not mean that those texts which included the word predestined are at odds with the rest of Scripture. What it does mean 
is that there is a wider interpretation than what the Calvinists give. We'll deal with that shortly. Before leaving the God handpicks only certain individuals business, I want to share three other Bible passages with you. One is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. It says, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that Jesus died for all, and therefore all died, and he died for all. The other is very well known, and I've shared this with you in a previous program. It is from the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 16 and 18. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned. And then in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 17 we read, And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let him who hears say, Come. And let him who is athirst come. And whomsoever will, let him take the water of life freely. These verses show that salvation, that is, being saved, is all-inclusive rather than being exclusive. The Calvinists claim that salvation is exclusive. That means just for certain selected individuals. The name given for the Calvinistic idea is known as particular salvation. I personally think this is a dangerous doctrine and should be treated with the utmost caution. The difference, as shown by the texts I have just given, is that salvation is available for everyone. Christ died so that everyone could have eternal life. Of course, not everyone chooses that way, and so, by their own actions, their fate is determined. <clears throat> God has given us the power of choice. We are admonished to choose life. If we had no power to choose, then we would be no better than robots, unable to think and act independently. In a previous program, we saw how necessary it was that God should give mankind the opportunity to choose. Unless humans could choose to accept or reject God's love, there would be no way to test whether God really loved us or not. If there is no opportunity of choice, then God could be accused of being a tyrant. But God is not a tyrant, and we are not robots. 
The Calvinists say certain people are predestined to be saved, and yet other passages of the, of the Scriptures say we have the power to choose to be saved. Do we have a contradiction of ideas here? The answer is no. You see, God predestined, that means he chose in advance, everybody to be saved. But at the same time, he allows us to take up his kind offer or not. He doesn't want anyone to be lost. But ultimately we determine, as a result of our own choices, what will be the final outcome. That is something like saying, we are the masters of our own destiny. Please do not get this wrong. Being saved is not like going to the shop and buying a loaf of bread. It involves an admission on our part that we have done wrong and we have a desire to be free of the guilt that our wrongdoing invokes. It involves acceptance of the sacrifice that Jesus made for each and every one. And then it involves living in harmony with God's will and being infused with God's spirit. A life change comes about. You are listening to Give Me the Bible with Uncle Len. Please stay with us. We are going to take a short break and we'll be back. we will consider the second pillar of Calvinism, the once saved, always saved part. This belief implies that when someone becomes saved, they are locked in no matter what they do. Even if that so-called saved person lives a sinful, profligate life, the Calvinist idea is that they are still saved. What does the Bible say about that? The Apostle Paul in Galatians 5.4 talks about certain people who have fallen away from grace. He mentions that they had become alienated from Christ. This means that at an earlier time they had belonged to Christ. Or to put it another way, they had been saved. But if they have fallen away from grace, they no longer belong to the kingdom of God. They have relinquished their title as sons and daughters of God. 
The Calvinist view says no. They will always be part of God's kingdom because he chose them in the first place, even if they do not want it that way. I'm afraid I cannot follow that kind of reasoning. The Apostle Peter has something to say about people who have fallen away, that is, who have backslidden. He talks about those who have known Christ but become entangled in the corruption of the world. He says they are worse off than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then turned their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. We find that in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. In Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 12 it says, See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Here we have seen three examples from the Bible that show show clearly that a person can reject God and fall back into their previous sinful lifestyle. So, does God still count them as part of his kingdom of righteousness? Oh no. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter 18 and verse 24, It is explained quite clearly. This is what it says. If a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits sin and does the same detestable things as the wicked man does, will he live? None of the righteous things he has done will be remembered. Because of the unfaithfulness he is guilty of, And because of the sins he has committed, he will die. If, as the Bible says, someone has turned his back on God, his previous saved relationship does not count. He's in the same boat as any others who are unsaved. So, despite what the Calvinists say, The Bible is quite clear that a person can, by their own actions and choices, remove themselves from God's roll book. The expression, once saved, always saved, just is not true. There is another problem with the Calvinist teaching of once saved, always saved, and that is this. If someone considers themselves saved, that is, belonging to God's family, there is a danger that they will not recognise any obligation to order their lives according to God's will. It's almost like saying, I'm in the team now. I have a lifelong membership. I can do what I like. No one can throw me out. So this person might play up, bring disgrace on himself and the team. What a strange team that would be.
And just think, what would it be like when Christ has set up his kingdom of righteousness? And yet there are evil people there who do all sorts of bad things. That would be no different to what we already have on earth right now. Do you think that sort of unrighteous behaviour would be tolerated? No way. As you probably realise, we are admonished to watch and be ready and to live careful and ordered lives and to be ultimately accountable. The once saved, always saved concept in reality means that no one needs to be accountable for their actions. It would not matter if someone lives a sinful life and could not care about keeping the commandments as they do not need to be accountable for their actions. At least, that's what the Calvinist belief implies. No, it is not once saved, always saved. Instead, we must make a daily choice to remain saved, to grow in grace, and to honour Jesus who came to save us from our sins. It needs to be saved by the grace of God. The Apostle Paul spoke very firmly about the need for God's people to live godly, disciplined lives. He even used himself as an example. He said that his own natural inclination was to do wrong and he recognised his own need to submit himself to God's will each and every day. The expression he used was, I die daily. Now if there was anyone who could claim to be saved, it was the Apostle Paul. Yet he explained that he was always at risk of going the wrong way into a life of sin. And each day he chose to serve God. With him there was certainly no once saved, always saved. The same goes with us. We must choose to remain in the relationship with our Lord, to honour and serve him on a daily basis. Well, that's about it for today. I hope you've enjoyed the presentation. Next week we will investigate another controversial subject. It is entitled, What Happened to the Sabbath? So then, this is Len signing off until our next appointment next week. Nikoleta, your host today will say goodbye. Yeah.
my soul. 